Hello and welcome to another episode of the Live Immediately podcast with Mike Campbell. Thank you so much for listening. This is where I have conversations with people who are living life on their own terms. We dive into those big moments that have pushed them through the fears and self-limiting beliefs that hold so many of us back. But before we get into today's episode, I would like to tell you about a free event I am hosting in my hometown of Newcastle this Saturday, February 18. It is called Live More With Less, a workshop about the benefits of minimalism. I have been so overwhelmed by the response to this event. It's been so huge, in fact, that I have needed to change venues just to handle the capacity. The registrations kept on increasing, and to be honest, I didn't really know what to do. So I put the call out, and the wonderful Jess and Donna Burrell from the Hunter Design School put their hand up and, without question, have kindly offered their beautiful space for this event. It was a really a massive lifesaver for me and I am so grateful to both Jess and Donna. So yes, there has been a venue change to Hunter Design School. It's at 67 Parry Street, Newcastle, which is just opposite the Edwards. It's at the same time of 2 p.m. though. And I really wanted to host this event because I wanted to help people at the beginning of their own minimalist journey or people that might just have a few questions about minimalism. So this free event is really about the benefits of living with less. I'll be chatting about how living with less has been a huge game changer for me, the process that my family and I went through to purge over 50% of our belongings, some tips when starting out and some others to keep you on track, and the super fun benefits I've seen in my own life from living with less. Even though this is a free event and we have increased capacity, please register at liveimmediately.com as the additional spots are limited as well. So if you are in the neighborhood this Saturday, February 18, I would love to see you. Things will kick off at 2 p.m. And the new venue is Hunter Design School, 67 Parish Street, opposite the Edwards. Live More With Less, a workshop about the benefits of minimalism. Register for free at liveimmediately.com and I look forward to seeing you. Now, on to today's lovely episode. And I say lovely as love is a key theme in this episode. Love is the universal language. And my guest today, Julie Muir, a city girl from Dublin, found her love while backpacking around South America. Julie's journey of love carried her around the globe and finally brought her to the sandy shores of Australia. In this episode, Julie and I discuss being open to new and different experiences, paying forward the goodwill you receive while traveling, learning to live with less, and the life lessons we learn by traveling. Julie is a lover of love with a big heart, and if you are anything like me, you will be mesmerized by her beautiful Irish accent. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Julie Muir. Hi, Julie. How are you? I'm great. Thanks, Mike. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Very well indeed. And I, I was going to say whereabouts in this beautiful world are you today? <laughs> because that's often my, my first question. But I do know where you are. You're actually in my hometown of Newcastle. Yes, I'm in this little um, gem of a spot, uh, but I don't need to uh, 
persuade you because uh, you know how great it is. It is. and But we are doing this interview still on Skype because I haven't figured out how to do face-to-face interviews without using um, a stack of expensive equipment. So it is a bit of a shame that we're kind of around the corner, but um, we, we could be on opposite ends of the globe as well. Oh, that's okay. Maybe we'll have another conversation in person one time. Hopefully, hopefully. And, but speaking of op- opposite ends of the globe, your accent pretty much comes from the other side of the globe. And it is one of my favorites, the good old Irish accent. So, Oh, I, flattery will get you everywhere, Mike. <laughs> oh, good, good. And I do apologize <laughs> if I don't talk much during this conversation because I'll just be uh, mes- mesmerized by your voice. Uh, yeah, so I'm from Dublin, which is obviously the capital of Ireland, and it's literally on the other side of the world. So I'm a long, long way from home. And I guess you being a long, long way from home and, and being here in Newcastle is is really what we're going to dive into today. Um, I guess kind of that journey and the lessons you've learned about uh, through your travel and, and kind of coming here and, and growing as a person of, 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 from the few conversations that we're, we've had offline. But I guess your traveling journey, I guess, started back in 2007, and please correct me here, and you, when you went on a six-month trip um, to South America and an Aussie boy stole your heart. So can you take me back to that moment when you met your now husband? And so tell yeah. me about how you found Australian love in South America. Yeah, so I went backpacking to South America by myself. It was around the time that my friends in Ireland were buying houses or thinking about buying houses. And I just sort of had different ideas. So I decided that I would, you know, do my own thing, even though I had didn't have a travel companion and I would just go by myself. And it was a bit easier because I speak Spanish. But yeah, I set off and um, actually it was a lot easier than I thought it was going to be. And once you kind of get there, you realize, even though at home everyone thinks you're doing something different, when you get out there, you realize, oh, there's actually quite a few European girls traveling by themselves. And anyway, it was near the end of my trip. And I was fortunate enough to meet my husband, Cameron, my Aussie husband. And yeah, he persuaded me to, we traveled together for a few weeks and then he persuaded me to move to Australia. And yeah, I've never looked back. It's changed my life forever. And, and, so we, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like you talk about like traveling by yourself and like once you were there, you realized, hey, you know what, this isn't as scary as we might've thought back home. Was it hard to kind of, I guess, you know, taking it back a few steps, but take that big leap to actually go traveling to another continent that's very different to where you were brought up and actually be traveling by yourself? Yes. I mean, I have always had a love for travel and I was fortunate enough because I grew up in Europe that it's so much easier and more accessible to travel. And so, but the South America trip was a big trip. And I remember my parents thinking, really, is this safe by yourself? And I did have some fears, but I didn't, certainly didn't say them out loud. And I just remember getting to the first hostel in Santiago and meeting other people and then just straight away um, my mind was put at ease and I realized, you know, it's going to be okay and it really was okay from then on in. Yeah, and I think too, especially when you're backpacking and you're, you're doing the, the kind of the hostel hop, that you, you're with like-minded people and a lot of, as you said before, solo travelers and everyone just kind of wants to, I guess, you know, help and support each other and you make your own community, which I guess – a lot of us are searching for and a part of a normal life anyway. 
Yeah, that's right. It was really easy to talk to people. That's what I didn't really know about the backpacker culture is that you don't have to explain why you're traveling by yourself or, you know, it's perfectly acceptable just, you know, in the lounge room of a hostel just to go up to strangers and say hello and start a conversation. And yeah, it's a lot easier than you think because everyone's really accepting and welcoming. So, so, so yeah. I, I guess on that, right. And it's it's a big point that, and I've spoken about it before on the podcast, that often when we travel, we... I don't know, do we let down our guard a little bit more? But we seem to be so much more open to allowing people into our lives. And you were saying there, it's so fine to kind of go up in the lounge room and talk to a random stranger. But you as the person were no different than the person you were back in Ireland. You're like, what, what makes it okay to do those things when you travel? But when we're back home, we don't. Do you kind of understand where, where I'm coming from? Yeah, well, I try and still be very uh, open at home and like probably some of the stuff we're going to talk about today is just what I've learned from my travels and have incorporated into my life at home. So, um, yeah, the lessons I've learned about being open, it has yielded really good experiences. So that's encouraged me to continue to be like that even at home. So like, for example, in us, we, when we were backpacking um, around Europe, this is myself and my husband on our world trip, we... Uh, we did couch surfing in Eastern Europe and we couldn't believe that people would open up their home to us and let us in. And actually, the first time we did it, we arrived at this couple's apartment in Poland and we knew that they had had a daughter from their profile, which is one of the reasons we chose that um, particular couple, because it just seemed like a bit easier, uh, like more family friendly. And then when we got there, the woman had actually had a baby like two weeks before and wow. it kind of. Yeah, it had blown my mind. They hadn't bothered to update their profile. And when we'd requested to say stay, they just said yes. So they welcomed us into their home, even though they just had a baby. And that really stuck with me. And then since then, we have then, you know, paid it forward to loads of travelers that have come um, through Newcastle. And we always try and say yes to everyone that requests to stay with us. And yeah. Wow, talk about getting the local feel. Like staying at a local's place with a two-week-old baby is definitely as raw as it can get really but that's beautiful yeah. it's very special we're still in touch <laughs> but you were saying earlier that you know you met Cameron and you went traveling uh, for a couple of weeks and then he persuaded you to come back to Australia and was was it as easy as that as I I've never been to Australia and I want to go there or was it like an extension of your holiday or did you kind of really feel you know this could be somewhere that I'm going to end up living now it was partly because I was coming to the end of my South America trip and it was that like I was going to have to face reality. So to go back to Ireland to get a job, get back on the treadmill. And so a little part of me wanted to the adventure to keep on going. And then it was, you know, very serendipitous that I met Cameron and then you know, because I was with him and falling in love, it made it easy to just keep going. Yeah. <laughs> and and Cameron, I'm sure when he when he met you, said that he is from Australia and you're like, oh, wow, this is great. And you're thinking the Harbour Bridge and the Sydney Opera House. But Cameron is from a small town of about 600 people, isn't he? Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, that's right. Cameron's from a tiny um, farming town in rural New South Wales called Collie Amberley. 
And so we, well, he was pretty clever. He got me to move to Sydney first. So I'm a city girl from Dublin. And he got me to move to Sydney first. And then we moved out that way. So he kind of eased me into it. But um, yeah, I was seriously suffering from uh, culture shock when I moved out there. You know, very, very different background or like community to my own. Like a lot of the conversation in the pub was around farming. And I was like, you know, fish out of water. So I really, I really struggled there, to be honest. Um, and that's part of why we've ended up in Newcastle as well. It's that desire to find your tribe, you know, to find people that you can have conversations that you enjoy with. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. I think Newcastle is, is a beautiful city. But before we actually get there, there's, <laughs> there's a little bit between there because Cameron obviously was listening to Beyonce and he, he put a ring on your <laughs> finger and, but he still hadn't met your family at this stage. And this is what I find really so intriguing about, you know, the world is so much smaller these days and we can travel and so many people are finding, you know, love when they travel. And then there's this divide about where are they going to live? And, and, you know, sometimes you've had such a strong relationship with someone and, and your family hasn't even met them, which was, I guess, the case with you. But you and Cameron were engaged and then you headed back to, to Ireland for the wedding and he met your family for the first time. How, how did that little adventure go down? Yeah, so, I mean, he could have waited and maybe asked for my father's, uh, you know, hand in marriage, but we know we're less traditional than that. And I really wasn't looking for anyone's approval. And I love Cameron and I knew that my family would also love him. So although it was probably really daunting for everyone meeting the first time, I mean, it went really well. I mean, they were probably thinking oh God, like who's Julie going to bring home here? But the wedding was set and the date was set and we only came back six weeks before the wedding. So the wedding was happening no matter what, but I wasn't worried. And as soon as they met him, they loved him and, you know, it's been great. And you, you actually ended up staying in, in Ireland for a little bit. Um, so I guess your family could get to know Cameron, which I think is a, a great idea. But then ultimately that decision to travel back to Australia came, but you and Cameron decided to do things a little bit differently by traveling without using airplanes, except for, I guess, the very last leg, which I'm sure you'll touch on. But you traveled across land and water from Ireland to Australia, which is just amazing. So talk me through this journey. Like, What was going through your mind when you hopped in the car, waved goodbye, and started this 10-month voyage? Well, we, you know, we met traveling and we have that in common and that's really our passion. So when after we got married, I think people were really expecting us to settle down then, you know, we've been in South America, we've been in Australia and they were really, yeah, probably expecting us to start a family and we just didn't feel ready for that. You know, we didn't feel comfortable and we started thinking like, oh, well, what's the next what's the next destination we're going to go to? Let's do something off the beaten track. And we started with the idea of going to Russia and maybe driving across Russia. And then before we knew it, we'd put a, wall, a map on our kitchen wall and we just started planning this route. And it just like went all the way from Dublin to Australia. And because the two of us were egging each other on, there was no one saying, this can't be done. And it was just all really positive, like, yeah, we can definitely do this. Um, the hardest part was probably getting the visas and having to 
that would force us to be a little bit more organized than we actually wanted to be. We wanted to be a bit more fluid with our schedule, but that forced us to sort of make a plan and work out what countries we were going to be in and what months and stuff. But yeah, it was just pure excitement setting off with my husband on this big adventure around the world. And um, and so you, t- you spoke there about, I guess, on the way here, the, the route that you went, and I've really got no idea how you would determine a route. Obviously, the map and chucking darts at it and pins at it is probably the best way because there's so many so many options that you could do. But you ended up driving through Russia. A lot of people, when they kind of do the, the top to the bottom route, would catch a, a, a train or something like that. But you drove through, you know, this enormous, vast piece of land. What was it like, I guess, going through um, and traveling through Russia? Russia was a really different experience for us. So um, we went to obviously the big city, St. Petersburg and Moscow, and they are incredible. But really, it was the most fascinating was driving through Russia, driving through all the little towns, even towns that the trains don't stop in. And that really gave us a really good sense of the rest of the country. Um, we did a bit of couch surfing there as well and it was actually through those conversations that we really got a good understanding of the political situation in Russia and what life was like in Soviet times and how it's since changed so that was really fascinating Um, one thing we didn't love about Russia was the food it was quite basic and especially as we were driving we were eating a lot in truck stops so um, yeah but we really liked the people but we did underestimate a little bit the language barrier um people do speak English but uh, not so much especially in the rural areas so we find the Russian people to be totally different to that stereotypical kind of cold staunch that just wasn't our experience at all um yeah and I guess like you know you've traveled through so many countries and I think through that journey you you went through 20 countries or so but one of the things that I've, I've often said about traveling are the people that you meet along the way. And you, you kind of touched on that there, but traveling through all those countries, what are some of the similarities you've seen with all the nationalities? Mm, That's an interesting question. I think that what you're touching on there is really just about humanity and, I guess it is about happiness and what makes you happy, especially when you go to third world countries, you know, they might not have the things that we have here in Australia. And yet you can see that, you know, they can still be happy. So that really sets you wondering about, you know, the consumeristic lifestyle that we have in the first world countries. So I guess it's about family and community. Does that yeah, no, hundred percent. I yeah. no, I hundred percent agree. It's it's really interesting. I, I you know, it is a little bit of a loaded question with I guess the times that we're in at the moment politically with without getting political that the, you know there seems to be this big divide where you know from when I've travelled and all the people that I've met kind of similar to you everyone is is really after that one thing and it's it's happiness and family and love and and um, feeling together with the people around you and um yeah it's it's just one thing i i really really do love traveling for for the people we i think we when we start off traveling we want to go to those cities and we want to see those things but it's really the people that really make up a city 
or a country yeah, for absolutely. that matter. Yeah, absolutely. But let's talk about some of these like life changes. So you went on that big journey uh, and, it, and it was kind of like you'd been traveling for years. You got married. You had decided that, okay, cool, we're going to call Australia home and, and, and Newcastle home. How has your life changed or what are some of those kind of lessons that you have tried to put back into your daily life? Well, traveling has changed us in so many ways, but it's been a slow change. And after each trip, we changed more. And so, you know, after the South America trip, I became more environmentally conscious. But after each successive trip, um, yeah, I was really changed. Like we've been changing more because it can be so easy just to slip back into old habits um, when you do come home. So, but this time now, you know, they've really stuck. The changes that we want to make have really stuck. So it's taken it's taken three massive trips, but we finally we're finally getting there. Uh, but mostly it's to do with being first of all grateful for our wonderful lives like by going to a lot of these third world countries it's really um driven at home how lucky we are and just by sheer twist of fate you know what what countries we were born in our lives could have been so different otherwise so yeah we definitely bring that gratefulness to our everyday lives now and certainly traveling has made us better savers so as we've been saving for a trip we save our money and then when you're on the trip you're normally backpacking so you're on a budget and then when you come back from the trip you don't have much money either and then so but we've been able to keep those saving habits like going and, and like trying I, I, not to, yeah. I, I guess with that saving thing because you know being mindful about your your money and kind of looking at how you are spending things is I think, a, you know, a, an, an amazing life lesson. And, and it's unfortunate that there are, you know, and myself included back in the day, we're just kind of not, not, not clued is not the right kind of phrase, but just not really mindful about it. But, you know, and also traveling when you're backpacking and you can't take as many things with you. Did you kind of learn to, I guess, like live with less, which then when you come back, you end up spending less money and are able to save that way? Definitely, 100%. It's all interconnected. Like, So when I was backpacking, I realized, yeah, you can really survive with not much stuff. I mean, there was times, of course, like when I was in Argentina and wanting to go to a nightclub and um, I was on this big trip, so I didn't have any nice dresses with me. But then people were there that had come for like two or three weeks and they had like nice dresses and high heels. And I was like a little bit jealous thinking, if only I had my nice clothes with me here. But then you realize, you know, none of that stuff is really important. You know, the nice dress doesn't make me any more interesting to talk to or whatever. And so, yeah, actually, I have a story to tell you. When we when I was living in Australia, um, after we left Ireland, the stuff that we did have, we packed up in boxes and I stored it. My father stored it for me. And we didn't have furniture because all the rentals in Ireland, they come furnished, but just like clothes and we got wedding presents and like trophies from our childhood, things like that. And I'd been storing them there. And while I was living in Australia, I had fixated on these boxes a little bit. And in my mind, I it's like I thought they were the Holy Grail. I thought like I would be happier if I had that stuff 
from Ireland in Australia. And after about two years, we ended up going back to Ireland and I went through the boxes and I just I couldn't believe it when I opened them. It was just full of rubbish, really, to be honest. Um, you know, a lot of the shoes that I'd been fantasizing about that I thought I'd miss so much, you know, they were they weren't brand new. They were had been used when I put them in the box and they were pretty wrecked. And it's just funny how the brain plays tricks on you and you like romanticize these possessions. And it was a huge like eye opener for me to realize, yeah, I don't really need any of this stuff apart from we did ship over a few paintings to Australia that meant something to us. But apart from that, there was nothing really in those boxes that was going to make me any happier. Yeah. When we went through, I guess, a purging process that allowed us to, well, it didn't allow us to go on, on our big family adventure, but it, it, it made it easier for us because the stuff that we had wasn't important to us anymore. So it was easy for us to pack up our house, you know, either pack it up, donate it or sell it and, and go on our family adventure and go traveling and have all those experiences. And we were the same when we came home, there were things that we had even packed that we were like, Hey, we lived for a year without this. We don't need it. Do you know what I mean? And it was just, again, it was a, it's amazing when you allow space in your life about the the beautiful things that you can fill that space with. And sometimes that's, that beautiful thing is, is nothing. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we now, we don't have any major trips planned at the moment, but at the same time, we like to stay free in our mind that we could go on a trip. And part of that is not accumulating too much stuff because it involves then storing it somewhere, you know? So yeah, I think we will, not that we're minimalist, but we're just more aware of the items that we're bringing into our home and if they're giving us joy. And I guess, you know, segueing here on, on that awareness and traveling, I know in conversations that we've had offline, I guess your global views on things have changed a little bit through travel as well. Absolutely. Like, I feel like I've become a lot more politicized and a lot more interested in world politics. And I can't say that that would definitely have interested me, except that I have gone traveling. So often say now, because I've been to a country, if I hear about it in the news, then it really I'm really interested in it, you know, so like I'm interested in what's happening in Tibet in China because we've been there or if I read something about Aung San Suu Kyi in um, in Myanmar it just it really brings it home because I've been there so I while traveling has made us really aware of like contributing to our local community wherever we're living it's also made me really aware of contributing to our global community and being aware of what's going on outside of your suburb or outside of your country and in the whole planet so, yeah. So I just got a, a, a few questions here, uh, Julie, before we do wrap up. But one of them is there's a 20-something-year-old girl or her parents listening to this podcast. What, I guess, advice would you give to each of those people where if, if this girl is like thinking that she wants to kind of travel and the parents are, are kind of a little bit scared about that, what would, what would your advice be to those people? 
Oh, don't be afraid. Definitely don't be afraid. I think there is, there can be a lot of fear around traveling. And I think most of it is not founded, you know, if you're, you know, relatively sensible and, um, you know, you shouldn't run into any trouble. And in my case, it's been totally life changing. It's really helped me realize what's important to me in life and what values are important to me and like has given me more of a global perspective and like being grateful. So I think it's a really positive thing and should go for it. Beautiful. And talking about beautiful, who was our, who was our little guest there in the background? I'm so sorry. That's our, um, that's our dog, Sasha. So She's probably um, a sign that we have uh, settled down a little bit in the last year or so. We felt ready to get a dog. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> what kind of, what kind of uh, breed is she? Um, so she's a rescue dog, so we're not 100% sure, but we think Staffy Cross Greyhound. So very affectionate dog, and uh, yeah, we're blessed to have her. Wow. So she's a very, I've got friends that have, have two Staffies, and they are super affectionate. So this is like an affectionate, fast dog, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. She's happy to lounge around and have snuggles, but uh, equally we have to make sure we walk her a lot because she needs to run. Oh, beautiful. And um, my final question here, Julie, is is one that I do ask all my guests, and that is if you could please describe your perfect day. Well, because I'm a fan of your uh, podcast, I have thought about this question um, several times. And I think my perfect day would be waking up without an alarm clock, waking up early, rolling over and, uh, you know, having snuggles with my husband. And then I would like to do something active. So something sporty, maybe something in nature, like going for a bushwalk. And then I would like to probably... Um, do something in relation to my business. So I'm a marriage celebrant. So performing a wedding or meeting a couple would be really lights me up inside. And then I would like to finish it off maybe by going for a meal to a restaurant I haven't been to before. Oh yeah. And then just one last thing. I'd probably like to uh, Skype, Skype a girlfriend in Ireland. Oh, beautiful. I love that. And actually, we actually didn't touch on what you were doing kind of here in Newcastle and marriage celebrant. I don't think I knew that. No, I don't think I told you. So I'm very lucky that uh, I have two jobs. So I work for the rugby union during the day, which I love because I'm contributing um, to sport in the community in a positive way. And then also on the weekends, then I'm a marriage celebrant, which also contributes positively to the community, I think, in, an, in a different way. So you, you found love on your travels and then, in a sense have brought love back to Australia and, and combining it with other people's love. That's beautiful. That's it. Yeah. I'm, I'm a sucker for love. I, um, yeah, it's true. I, ours was a backpacker love story and, um, yeah, I still firmly believe in love and I like to help couples, uh, yeah, celebrate that too. And it's also really cool to have someone who's talking in, in your wedding video. That's got an Irish accent. I wish I, I, wish I knew <laughs> <Yeah>. about this. <laughs> But thank you so much for your time, Julie. And if, if people kind of do want to, I guess, follow a little bit more about you or maybe even reach out and ask some questions about that extended travel and, and finding love overseas and things like that, what's the best way for them to uh, do that? Yeah, probably just through my Celebrant website would be great. So it's just my name, Julie Muir Celebrant dot com dot au and uh, yeah i'd be more than happy to share any information about our travels we kept really detailed uh, budgets and blogs while we we're away and that might be useful for someone else so happy to share 
unreal. And I'll make sure that all those links are on the Live Immediately website at liveimmediately.com like always. Is there anything that I've missed out that you, you want to add before we go? No, I just want to say that I'm a big fan of the podcast and I'm just um, delighted that um, I've had the opportunity to spread what I've learned. <laughs> oh, thank you. And spreading love. It's it's beautiful. And really, if anyone's engaged right now and they need a celebration, <laughs> it's a, a beautiful Irish one. I love it. But uh, thank you again, Julie. And thank you, everybody, for listening. And like always, have fun and live immediately. That was another episode of the Live Immediately podcast with Mike Campbell. Thanks so much for listening. The original Live Immediately theme music is by the multi-talented Timothy McPhee. You can check out his music at firekites.bandcamp.com. If you enjoyed the show, had some fun, and maybe even learned something, then make sure you subscribe via iTunes. And while you're there, why not leave a rating and a review? You know it's going to make my day. Thanks for stopping by and giving me some of your time today. I'll catch you on the next episode. And until then, have fun and live immediately.